Welcome to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. In the hunt for planets beyond our own solar system, many people are interested in finding Earth-like planets. But what about Venus-like planets? Venus and Earth have extremely similar origin stories, but at some point, Earth turned into a cradle for life, and Venus turned into one of the most inhospitable places in the solar system. So what happened? Stephen Kane of San Francisco State University thinks that the answer to that question lies outside our solar system. In addition, he thinks exoplanets could have something to teach us about our own climate here at home. That's today on the Physics Central Podcast. Stephen Kane has an analogy he likes to use. I also sometimes refer to Venus and Earth as uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, where uh, Earth is the Dr. Jekyll and Venus is, is the Mr. Hyde. Earth, as we all know, is a great place to live, while Venus is not. If you were to stand on the surface of Venus, you would be melted by the high heat, you would be crushed by the atmospheric pressure, and you would be dissolved by the sulfuric acid uh, in the atmosphere all at once. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde are two versions of the same man. And similarly, Venus and Earth are sort of like two versions of the same planet. Earth and, and Venus are around about five, within 5%. They're about the same size as each other. Uh, they're also of similar mass, and they orbit right next to each other. And that probably means that they formed out of the same material from the disk which formed the planets when the solar system was young. Venus and Earth also both have atmospheres, a very necessary ingredient for life. And it's very likely that at one point in its history, Venus had liquid water, maybe even oceans. In addition, these sister planets are relatively close together. And looking at the entire solar system, they really have very similar orbits. But Venus is slightly closer to the sun, and it receives twice as much radiation as the Earth. And so what we're trying to understand is, is this difference between Venus and Earth purely the fact that Venus is closer to the sun, or is there something else going on? And one of the ways to do that is to find other examples of Venus. Kane and his colleagues think that if proximity to the home star is what caused Earth to become Earth and Venus to become Venus, then there should be other planets that show that same pattern. So in addition to searching for Earth-like planets around other stars, Kane and a few collaborators decided that they would also look for Venus-like planets. The Kepler Space Telescope is basically the leader right now in identifying exoplanets, and Kane and his colleagues looked through the catalog of planets that Kepler has already identified, and they found 43 planets that they think could be Venus-like. These planets are about the same size as Venus, but most importantly is the distance between these planets and their home star. That distance puts these planets in a region that Kane and his colleagues call the Venus Zone. Earth is in a region called the habitable zone. It's also known as the Goldilocks zone. It's a spot where our planet gets just the right amount of radiation from the sun. If a planet is past the outer edge of the habitable zone, it's going to be too cold. It doesn't get enough radiation. 
And at the inner edge of the habitable zone, that's where the Venus zone starts. That's where a planet's going to get too much radiation. And if the planet has an atmosphere, just like Venus or like Earth, all that radiation is probably going to cause a runaway greenhouse effect. And that's exactly what has happened to Venus. It has an atmosphere which is around about 95% carbon dioxide. That uh, enormous amount of carbon dioxide has produced what's called a runaway greenhouse effect. And the runaway greenhouse means that the, the light or the heat component of the light that's received from the sun is trapped at the surface. It does not easily escape. And that means that the temperature at the surface of Venus is around about, uh, around about 850 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, and in fact, it's the hottest place at the surface of any other place in the solar system. It's hotter at the surface than if you were to stand on Mercury, for example, which is closer to the sun because of this runaway greenhouse. With almost complete certainty, Kane says a planet like Venus cannot support life. Even extreme forms of life found on Earth would be severely challenged by such a place. What is perhaps most amazing and equally terrifying about Venus is that it may have started its life in the habitable zone. Early on in the lifetime of our solar system, Venus would have been getting a lower dose of radiation because our sun and most stars like it tend to get brighter over the course of their lifetimes. So once again, Venus could have started out with liquid water oceans, but over hundreds of millions of years, the increase in radiation would have gradually evaporated those oceans. And water vapor is actually a very efficient greenhouse gas. So while liquid water is probably a necessary component for life, if the planet gets too hot, oceans can also become an instrument of destruction. And the death knell for, for Venus in terms of being able to have any kind of a climate cycle was when it lost its liquid water. Because as soon as the, all the water was evaporated from the surface, then what happens is that water vapor becomes very vulnerable to being broken up by the solar radiation in the upper atmosphere, broken up into its, its atomic components of hydrogen and oxygen, and then the hydrogen escapes into space and the oxygen is left to combine with the carbon and become more carbon dioxide. And so it, once it entered into that phase, there was no going back. Based on these examples of Venus and Earth, it seems that the radiation from the home star is ultimately what determines which planet will become Dr. Jekyll and which will become Mr. Hyde. But no scientist wants to rely on just two data points. So Kane and his colleagues have identified these 43 planets that are in the Venus zone around their home star. The next step is to get a look at the atmospheres of those planets to see if they actually fit the description. The James Webb Space Telescope is set to launch in 2018, and it will gather information about exoplanet atmospheres. And then astronomers can look and see if those planets in the Venus zone have atmospheres that are full of carbon dioxide or other greenhouse gases. 
if we look at, say, 100 planets which are in the Venus zone and we take the spectrum of their atmospheres and we discover that they all indeed have very similar atmospheres to Venus and they all appear to have a runaway greenhouse effect going on, then that would be a very strong indicator that the proximity to a star is the main driver towards it going into a runaway greenhouse effect. However, if we look at 100 planets and we find that only 50% of them have a runaway greenhouse, then that's indicated that it's more complicated than that. Understanding Venus-like planets and searching for them will also help the search for Earth-like planets. Because of the fact that we... We find a planet and it's in the habitable zone, but if that planet has had a runaway greenhouse and it's like Venus, then it's clearly not habitable. And so this is something that we need to understand properly so that we can properly characterize the planets we find in the habitable zone. Venus was once called Earth's sister planet. Many astronomers in the mid-20th century thought Venus would be the place where we would find alien life. Very thick clouds made it impossible for people to see the surface of Venus. So it wasn't until humans sent landers to the planet that could actually touch down on the ground that we saw what a barren wasteland it is, that the two sisters no longer resemble each other. Is it easier for a planet to follow the path of Venus or of Earth? And if Venus started out in the habitable zone then how certain is Earth's future as a hospitable planet? Could Earth also experience a runaway greenhouse effect? The fact that it can have such extreme conditions at the surface teaches us a lot about what could possibly happen to the Earth if things got out of hand. And this is related to issues of climate change and what happens when you increase the overall carbon budget in a planetary atmosphere. Even though we have complex climate models about the Earth's climate, it still is a very, very difficult thing to understand. There are many input parameters which go into such models. And it's not really known for certain how tenuous the Earth situation is. And so if we eventually find that a lot of the planets that are in the habitable zone have runaway greenhouses, then that could teach us a great deal about how tenuous the situation exactly is and how rare the Earth situation is. So could an alien planet teach us something about our home? Could it give us a window into a possible future where the Earth experiences a runaway greenhouse effect? And if we were given such a premonition, would it be enough to make us change course? Thank you again to Stephen Kane for being on the podcast. You've been listening to the Physics Central podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more of the Physics Central podcast. Uh-huh.